Hi, my name is Dr. Lulu, a.k.a. The Momatrician. I'm a pediatrician, a life coach, and I work with parents of queer kids. You are listening to The Leftscape, The Shape of Progressive Conversation. I'm Robin Renee, and you are listening to The Leftscape, The Shape of Progressive Conversation. I am Wendy Sheridan, and welcome to episode 137. Yes, and in today's show, we are pleased to bring you my interview with Dr. Lulu, a.k.a. The Momatrician. Dr. Lulu is an incredibly accomplished pediatrician, author, and parent coach. She is the mother of a transgender young adult and has some great insights to share, especially about learning to accept and celebrate queer youth. And a little bit earlier in the show, Wendy will head up the wisest awesome segment where we will sing the praises of Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. It is awesome, but always you can catch a new episode <laughs> of The Leftscape every other Wednesday. Subscribe to the show on our website, leftscape.com, or find us wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're on our site, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter, The Leftscape Lookout. We're on social media at Leftscape, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we love to hear from you and your reviews really do help us out. So please give us five stars if you can. Yes. And please consider supporting us on Patreon. You can join us at any level starting at just $1 a month. All Patreon supporters have access to our exclusive segment, We Should Be Recording This. And if you are able, you can increase your contribution and receive other gifts and opportunities. Check us out at patreon.com slash leftscape. And our most recent We Should Be Recording This segment features our conversation about how we protect ourselves from the news. Yes, sometimes we need to do that. <laughs> well, happy spring, I would like everybody. to do that today. Yeah, right? Yes. <laughs> Happy spring. Happy Ostara. I'm actually doing a much more massive spring cleaning than I had ever wanted to do this year because we had some work done in our house. We replaced uh, two thirds of the windows in our house, which required me to pack up all kinds of shit everywhere. And instead of just unpacking and putting all the dusty things back on the shelves and whatever, I'm like, doing the whole Marie Kondo thing. Is this, is this necessary? Is, is, is this 10 year old thing of lip balm that I've never opened that somebody gave to me for free? Am I ever going to actually use it or just should I throw it the fuck away? Wow. So I'm in the middle of that. That's great. I, I would love to do some of that. I'm, I, I want to, well, that is an intention to make some time for like a, an actual spring cleaning. That would be great, <laughs> but I'm doing an online ritual connection kind of a summit tonight which will be cool and i think we're getting together later in the week so that will be that'll be really nice to see you and to do some some ritualizing around the spring yes yes indeed (laughs) i guess it's time for three random facts in the news (laughs) well this first random fact 
it sounds weirdly familiar. Like I might have used it as a random fact in the past. I don't know, but it's still a cool fact. You You don't think so? I don't think so. Okay. Perhaps not. Maybe. It might be just a random thing in my brain. (laughs) But anyway, in 1971, Deep Purple set up camp in Montreux to record with a mobile recording studio. Meanwhile, at a nearby Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention concert, an overzealous fan decided to fire a flare gun inside the building. The fire that ensued destroyed the entire casino where the concert was being played and forced Deep Purple to take their operation elsewhere. Smoke on the water was observed by the band on Lake Geneva. While the night was ruined for all in attendance and most likely caused millions of dollars in damage, it did give us one of rock and roll's most memorable songs. Yes, and you, uh, you and all of our listeners should be very happy that I wasn't just humming the song underneath Robin's reading because I'm hearing it in my head. <laughs> earworm, instant earworm. Yes. <laughs> And uh, my random fact is rubber bands will last much longer when they are refrigerated. When a rubber band is placed in the fridge, it causes the polymers to relax. This keeps the band from breaking down as fast as it normally does. That is a very handy yeah. homemaking well, tip. <laughs> well, I, you, you understand, I use rubber bands for a lot of things. And when... I also tend to to keep to buy things and keep them for way too long. And, and you do not know the number of times where I'm stretching a rubber band around a sheaf of papers and having it snap in my face <laughs> because it is weak and it breaks. So it, I find this is important. Uh, I haven't put my rubber bands in the fridge yet. I'm going to and then we'll wait and see how the other members in the house react to, I'll get, why, why are there rubber bands in the refrigerator? <laughs> right. But now, here is almost more news than we can handle today. <laughs> yes. All right, so news item number one, I'm going to put this in the from we'll believe it when we see it department that belongs in the we'll believe it when we see it department so trump may have already been arrested by the time you hear this (laughs) and i laugh because it's uh, you know who knows but supposedly he is very very close to being indicted and perhaps even you know formally processed for a crime and this is uh well, first of all, it, it, it will be monumentous. It seems like it's going to happen one for one of these things or another eventually. Nobody knows when, really. But it seems like the one that's getting closest is actually the Stormy Daniels story. So yeah. she was paid $130,000 to not talk about their their experience together, <laughs> if you could call it that. So there were a couple of different things. It, it, the expense was written off to make it look like a a legal expense, which it wasn't. So that's a misdemeanor, but it also could be considered a, a campaign donation or can camp. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And so is that, yeah, he used, he used the wrong pocket to pay it out of. Right. And, and it was really, it was an undisclosed donation to the campaign because it was meant to shield the public from information right. that affected the, right. the election, basically. So if that 
is if that comes through, if he's booked for that or, or you know, uh, indicted for that, um, that would be a felony and he would need to really be, you know, like processed and fingerprinted and all these things. And so I don't oh, know. I'm sure People he's think that's... already been fingerprinted. Don't they just fingerprint the president anyway, just for ID purposes? Oh, well, maybe they might have. I don't know. <laughs> I never thought about I, that. I would assume, I would assume his vital, his, you know, whatever his fingerprints and whatever else like retinal scan or whatever else they do now um, um has is on record in some government agency or other okay interesting interesting but it's I so funny that like we, i gave a list of all like all the various lawsuits he had going on at the, our last show right and this one wasn't in it and this was the one that's turning <laughs> out to be maybe the one that's going to do something well this quickest, is like so the one that's been in process the longest amount of time too right right exactly this was like yeah. the first one of all of the bullshit so <laughs> you know i mean and it, it and i mean it's not great but it's kind of the least egregious of all of his bullshit yeah. <laughs> i don't know what else to call it like, <laughs> but you know that's how you know, they got got al capone on tax evasion so you know whatever works right right and he seems to think that something's going to happen on Tuesday. So the, I don't know why he's promoting that particular day. So if that's the case, then yesterday something happened. <laughs> well, Tuesday's the new moon. So I don't uh, know. Oh, that must be it. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I, maybe his astrologer said it's Tuesday. Right, right. <laughs> um, anyway, what else is happening in the world? Anyway, in non-Trump news, the weather... The, the weather that has inundated the West Coast with rain hasn't been nice to areas on the other side of the Pacific Ocean either. Cyclone Freddie, which I didn't even hear about until I saw this. It's like, I will say that the front page of The Guardian today was just a horror show <laughs> from top to bottom. It was just anyway. Cyclone Freddy, which developed over the Indian Ocean more than a month ago, has dissipated last week after making landfall a second time in southern Africa. The death toll has exceeded 300 across Madagascar, Mozambique, and Malawi by Thursday, with more than 700 people injured, 40 missing, and 80,000 displaced. Oof. The World Meteorological Associate Organization rather, is setting up a committee right now to evaluate if Freddie has broken the record for the longest-lasting tropical cyclone. The index used to measure the energy released by a tropical cyclone known as the accumulated cyclone energy estimates Freddie had the equivalent energy of an entire North American hurricane season. That's not okay. Oh my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and so I hadn't even heard about this and this is this these poor people dealing with this for a freaking month. And and this is I think part of the same weather stuff that's been dumping all the rain on California and and the Pacific Northwest in the last few months too. It's it's the it's a a river in the Gulf Stream that's doing something and it it created the cyclone on the other side of the Pacific and it's been fucking up California on on this side. So yikes. Eesh. It's like that this one storm was the entire <laughs> all the hurricanes that we get so like holy shit i have never even heard of that that's i mean wow okay yeah <laughs> okay more news <laughs> tennessee has passed the first law limiting 
drag shows. And mm-hmm. that goes into effect April 1st. It's very, very vague and can easily really try to delete all gender nonconforming people from public life. That's kind of the, I think oh it's intentionally God. vague for that reason. It basically says that you can't do an adult cabaret performance when non-adults are able to see you and drag shows any uh, drag shows have now been classified as adult cabaret with of a sexual nature so that's like you know strippers or whatever you know adult burlesque types things like that and so it's now in that same category so literally a drag queen walking down the street to go to the club where she performs and if if a child sees them that is first the first one is a misdemeanor where you could get a fine and go to jail for six months and then the second time is a felony where you could i get, get i don't know what the fine is then but then you could actually be in prison for six years i don't under okay i i, I don't know what the what the law how it's worded and, and the fact that it's vague and that it passed with bad wording is terrifying right and well it's but, it says that it says a male impersonator or a female impersonator are but they're in this category now so okay, I mean, okay so a so, trans just a you know trans person not doing any performance whatsoever could potentially be caught up in this kind of a well i law. i also have a question like what constitutes a male impersonator is it just having really short if you're a, a, a woman does that mean you can't cut your hair shorter than a certain amount does it mean you can't a woman can't wear pants does it mean you know i i what what the fuck yeah. <laughs> and i think it's me that if someone doesn't like how you look they can turn you in basically that's what I'm, yeah I yeah think that's what it, it it's out. because i feel like i could be considered in drag like any day of the week just by wearing i mean i'm not trying to do anything in particular but i could be wearing like a guy's shirt and some pants and I, my hair is short you know so i don't know i don't yeah, know i i don't know either but I, I don't know either yeah but i there's and an does that mean like guys just who have long hair are they gonna get called out too it's i mean i mean where does where where is where does this stop yeah uh, you know does this mean does this mean if you have a baby and it's a girl and you don't put one of those stupid ass bows on an elastic around their head that they're going to get called out because they're not dressed as a girl? Right. It's like, I mean, fuck all y'all. I, I, you know, whatever, whatever the fuck is going on in Tennessee, go fuck yourselves. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being my anger translator. Oh my. <laughs> no, it is. It's, um, I think I, I feel sort of, I can't explain it. I feel sort of subdued about it because it's so overwhelming that I don't even know how to react to it. I, I've been trying to just process that this is happening. And, you know, it really does put trans and non-binary people or anybody who just wants to dress however the hell they want in huh. jeopardy. There's an excellent interview that was on Fresh Air this week with uh, Bella Dubal, who is a drag queen in Tennessee well, in I forget she would which have city to be with that name. It's a great it's name. Great. It's a great name. <laughs> yes. And she just had a lot good to say and she's really resisting this 
law and will be continuing her shows. You know, knowing that it's dangerous, she's gotten some she's gotten some threats and things already just by speaking out. Well, but I hope that that if and when she gets arrested and then this case is the one to float up to the Supreme Court for getting this whole law struck down for being unconstitutional that she will tell us where to send money for her defense. Yes. Absolutely. And I want to go I want to go out and support as many drag shows as I can right now too because it's Yeah. It's part of the culture that I really am passionate about and it's beautiful. It's a it's an awesome expression and the way it's being characterized is just not based in reality <laughs> whatsoever. No, know. it you know, it, it this when I was in high school and and we were I was in theater, I did uh, one of the mono, I did a monologue from George Bernard Shaw's St. Joan. And mm. and you know, it's when she's pleading to the court like don't kill me, I think. You know, and, but and they basically, you know, and, and it comes out in in the play at least and I don't know how historically accurate it was, but the crime that she was really charged with was dressing like a man that's right and that's what they killed her for dressing like a man and you know she became a saint this was in the 1300s or some shit and why are we going back there that's that's like dark ages shit yeah i don't know i'm, I'm sorry i'm about to cry it. don't cry yeah. Don't cry yet. Wait till I get done talking about <laughs> Florida. Okay. okay. See now I have to I was laugh. gonna do I was gonna do it last week because the DeSantis news out of Florida was just getting out of hand. And then this over the last two weeks, and actually this was just a few days ago, there's a, a sub stack which is basically essays with George Takei and another guy talking about what's going on in Florida and and why DeSantis is such a dangerous person, especially since he's gearing up to run for president, which is really terrifying. So anyway, here is the roundup of the fascist governor of Florida, DeSantis's horrible, horrible legislation. He installed handpicked cronies on boards from the trustees of the new college to the tax district overseeing Walt Disney properties, while he and his rubber stamp legislature have threatened to cancel all high school AP courses, gender studies courses, and diversity, equity, and inclusion programs at state colleges, all because the governor personally thinks the college board and state education systems are too woke. Stop. <laughs> Wait. So all high okay. school AP of any I type? Get, well, just it has, he's threatening. He's threatening. No, all high school AP courses and gender studies courses and diversity, equity, and inclusion programs. So he's basically gutting Florida's education system. And, and you know, the, the, the op-ed basically was also pointing out that that's going to make everyone coming out of Florida, like all of the, out, all of the colleges outside of Florida are not going to admit kids from Florida because they're not going to have <laughs> They're not going to be ready for college, number one. So anyway, 
to continue. The state further has targeted black voters, the trans community and political opponents while using the state's coffers to fund political stunts around migrants. There have even been proposed law to require bloggers who write critically about the governor or other political leaders to register first with the state. Okay, that cannot DeSantis, stand. That cannot. No, it, DeSantis is looking to impose an abortion ban after six weeks due to the rise in abortions in Florida, which is up 38% from last year, from pregnant people coming in from other states that are nearby that have that six-week abortion ban. So people from Texas are going to Florida. People from Mississippi are going there. People from Georgia, you know, they're going to Florida for their abortions. And now he's trying to impose a six-week ban to cut that down to. And today's insanity is a law that passed committee. It, it's already passed committee in the legislature, which means it's going to go up for a vote. And they have been basically rubber stamping everything. This one is prohibiting the discussion of menstruation before grade six. I freaking got and it in grade four. I know. I, and you we can't got, talk about we, it. <laughs> No, no, no. They, they're they're going to prohibit teachers from talking about it. So when a fourth grader goes to the bathroom and finds blood between their legs and thinks they're dying, they can't, the teachers can't tell them. They're going to be prohibited from telling them. I am really hoping that some modicum of sanity will will prevail in, in the, the Florida legislature and this will not pass. Because children as young as nine, you know, get their periods. And it's it's bad enough when it happens and you're kind of knowing it's going to happen. The first time is terrible because you have no idea it's coming. You don't know what's happening with you. I mean, I had I remember we had we had that stupid, you know, all the girls had to go to the cafeteria for the movie about you know about your body you're getting hair in your armpits and your crotch <laughs> you know the the puberty talk right yeah, um yeah. it was fourth grade right because that's how old people are when this shit is happening <laughs> right and i don't remember getting my period as a as a bad experience it was a surprise but it was it was an expected surprise like i was well informed about it by my parents and i, I i'm assuming by school i'm pretty sure we talked about those things by then you know and they gave us those yeah it ads. was good i was you need to know these things it's yeah not... well i mean it was a lot more complicated you had you had a belt and the pad went through these hooks right it was this is before adhesive stuff in your panties you just you have if you're younger than us you have no idea the stupidity and and nastiness that periods were i mean my mom was saying they were basically using rags because oh, wow. they hadn't they didn't have wasn't a product you could go get right right <laughs> when she was a kid but mine was traumatic only because it happened like right before we were going out to a play and i was apparently trying to use a tampon my first time and it wasn't going in <laughs> oh wow <laughs> so there was some just tears and frustration that's i didn't right. want to say to anything to anybody because we were all like dressed up and going out somewhere and it's like i had to deal with this so anyway that anyway. was my first <laughs> first period but yeah uh it's like florida florida's turning into this little it's all right i shouldn't use the word fascist because it's 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 authoritarian 
it's, it's triggering to the to the right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. But uh, the, the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The op-ed in in the Substack piece they call it an illiberal democracy, mm-hmm. and it's basically authoritarian. It's Florida is becoming authoritarian. It's like it's like the Constitution. It's like the rest of the country and the Constitution don't matter. And this asshole is going to try to become president and turn the rest of the country into this. So people look at what's happening in Florida before you go make your decisions about voting Republican in two years. That's all. Thank you. Yeah. And I mean, and I don't want to, you know, I think the mistake with Trump was that we couldn't imagine it actually happening. You know, yeah. that he would win. DeSantis, I don't want to count him out. I do want to say that his policies, some people like these horrible policies, but I don't know if they're going to like him. Like, I don't like Trump at all, but he has a personality that appeals to certain people. I don't know if that DeSantis has that. And I think that that, well, I help, hope that might help them... him not make it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I hope the two of them chew each other up and eat each other and and just both of them go up in flames. <laughs> Literally or figuratively. There you go. Either one. Either one. I'm happy with either one. <laughs> uh, okay. So one good thing is that there are people <laughs> trying to give accurate information in the world. <laughs> and to that to that uh, and it is by plus health awareness month and that's something that you know it's been going on all month we didn't mention it beforehand because i forgot duh um <laughs> but, this, <laughs> but this is the 10th annual month-long event and it's led by the bisexual resource center in boston lots of groups have joined in around the u.s and abroad as well and this theme this year's theme is beyond visibility so you can go to Byresource.org has uh, a page about Buy Health Month, and they could talk about all kinds of things that you need to know and can learn about uh, health disparities and things that you can do to help bi and queer people. There's a hashtag, I think it's just hashtag Buy Health Month, that you can follow and learn about stuff and retweet and sort of help that cause. So, And there will be a link on our show notes, too. Yes, absolutely. You yes. just go to our our site and click a link. So right. And our last piece of news is in a landmark paper, economists have collected evidence on the societal implications of cannabis legalization, and found that it has lowered the rates of suicide, binge drink, drinking, traffic fatalities, and perhaps ironically, cannabis use in teenagers. And that is encouraging. I, I want to read that study. Yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah, it, it. I think. I think in in some they've also found that it reduces the amount of opioid use too. It, mm-hmm. It's it's like there people are using marijuana instead of other drugs, and I'm guessing you know the fact that it's reducing the amount of drinking. That correlates into fewer traffic accidents and traffic fatalities and drunk driving because people aren't driving drunk. So, so yay. 
So, you know, hopefully, you know, information like that will encourage the federal government to take marijuana off of the the drug whatever that that schedule one is like what yeah thank you yes yeah yeah. the schedule the drug schedule of of things that they can arrest you for right and it's like right now it's like in line with like heroin and cocaine and stuff and that it's so different you know and And um, it needs to yeah it needs to be like turned into like it no worse than than alcohol go we don't have prohibition anymore so you know we need to we need to get rid of that yes Yes, yes. And I know it helps a lot of people. I have a, a friend, the first person I know to get a medical card, it really helps things like neck pains and and mm. and digestive issues and, things. you know, it, it's helping mel- multiple issues for this person. And that is really yeah. good to see and to know. So, yeah, and, let's yeah. do it. And that is all the news that we can handle today. It really uh, is. <laughs> Every Saturday from 1pm, come and join us for an hour of really, really smooth music on the Northwest Coast. Spinning only the finest selection of yacht rock, yacht rock adjacent, daytime disco, sunset soul, and all manners of smooth music from right around the globe. Diving deep into the dusty dollar bins of discogs and record stores all around Melbourne to bring you the hidden gems and the classics smooth tunes for rough times it's an explosion of sunshine through your speakers it's liner notes and guitar solos so get down to the northwest coast where only the smoothest will do saturdays from 1 p.m only on radio pvs Hello and welcome to Why Is This Awesome, where one of us talks about an awesome thing. And I today we're talking about Del Toro's Pinocchio, which I had seen December or January at this point, and Robin saw it last night. So I, that was her assignment. I because I really loved loved this movie. And I wanted her to to see it so we can we can actually discuss it like people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was resistant to the assignment, but I but I liked it. I did like it a lot. So. Okay. Yeah. Did you also watch the making of documentary? Yeah, to watch that. I watched this okay. like at mid, starting at midnight, and I was like, maybe I can watch <laughs> the making of in the morning. But I had other things to do, so I, I'm That's looking fine. forward to hearing from you about how that. Worked. Okay. Yeah. Well, the story, the movie is very different than the Disney version, for one. And I don't remember if I ever read or saw uh, another version of the story. You know, I don't know if this was a Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale or something, or the thing about Geppetto. I don't remember the original source material. So... So I'm not clear, but it definitely diverges in some very significant ways from the Disney version. It is not, I would say, I would say it's, you know, 
it would be okay for kids that are maybe 10 and older, maybe a little younger. I don't know. Yeah, um, it was, you know, it had some darkness to it, you know, so it was kind of interesting. Well, the, the fascism original, was pretty dark. I was going to say, yeah, there were no Italian fascists in the original. But the, <laughs> so the original publication date was July 7th, 1881 to 1882. And then wow. in February 1883 as a novel. And the author is Carlo Collodi. Okay. So that's where it came from originally. I was kind of yes. looking at the original story uh, according to Wikipedia, just to okay. kind of remember. <laughs> because I'm sure the only other version I've seen is the Disney version too. So right. I'm curious. Well, that's kind of, we all grew up with that. Right. So yeah, so they, so I don't know if the cricket was in the original story, but the cricket, there was a cricket in, mm -hmm. in Del Toro's and it takes place in Italy in kind of a rough patch in their in their economy everybody seemed to be very poor I mean, definitely geppetto was very poor mm -hmm. and i kind of remember he had a, an actual son who dies at the beginning right yes and i would i should preface we're gonna spoil the hell out of this <laughs> movie so if you haven't seen it yet maybe skip to the next section or go watch it and then come back and listen yeah, but there yeah. will definitely be spoilers yeah the that was it was moving it was sad that part. yeah yeah, yeah. Sure. so yeah so there were you know kids die in there and and you know so he makes his puppet to kind of replace his son i forget exactly how he comes to life it's like he, a mystical fairy type person okay brings him to life Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. And he goes into that realm with that person, with that mystical fairy later too, right? Um, It's the, or, well, it's the sibling because the sibling right. is the one who has to let him come back and things like that. But okay, she had a okay, different okay. opinion in terms of how yeah. the, the the first sister handled it. So it was. Yeah, yeah but they, but they kind of looked Sphinx-like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm remembering it right. Yeah. yeah. And it was blue with a lot of glowy parts. And, yes. <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely a Del Toro. It looks like it's something Del, Del Toro would do. Cause it's got his, it's got his, it's definitely got his look to everything. You know, everything's a little surreal, I guess. And, the really amazing thing about it to me anyway, and I, and the thing I think that's most awesome is, is it's all completely stop motion animation. And that's why, you know, I, I also recommend if you're watching the movie to watch the making of documentary, it's, it's only a half an hour and it's just, you know, you, cause you, cause at some point in the movie, you actually forget that it's stop motion animation for a while. Some of the stuff is so well done that you just forget. Yeah, I just, just felt like I was just watching characters. It was really cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> powerful. I mean, some of them were I, goofy. Well, there, yes. a lot of them were goofy, but some of them were like cartoonishly goofy. But there was also like a realness to it. It's hard to, you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it, it is exactly like that. But I mean, you, you forget, you know, like the beginning, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, this is really cool stop motion. And then you just get sucked into the story and the and the visuals and you are you forget about how the sausage is made you're basically 
looking and tasting the delicious sausage and not worrying about how it's made. And or sausage, as the case may be. Sausage, yes. Yeah, I would, I'm, 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 I'm trying to come up with a metaphor. You know, I know. I, I can't keep my metaphors vegan. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, That's a good quote. <laughs> I can't keep my metaphors vegan. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, there are fewer vegan metaphors in general, but <laughs> yeah, people killing birds with stones and crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Swinging cats. <laughs> so anyway, so in the making of the thing, one of the things I liked about the making of movie or, or the making of documentary is they took these pictures of the people animating. Like, there's this one little clip of I think it's Pinocchio running and I'm you're not seeing my gestures running down a hill and and they they like basically were you know so the movie is actually taking those individual pictures but there's another guy somewhere in the back of the studio taking pictures of the whole set with the person you know fig you know moving the character between the photographs so you see this little character running down this hill with this blurry thing behind them that that you realize is the person like like <laughs> animating him and it's just like that that one little like 10 second clip is like blew my mind completely so um <laughs> nice and i, I think, check that out yeah yeah that i mean it's it's just worth watching it just for that oh and then and then you'll find out that to do pinocchio himself because he's made of wood, they made the decision to give him limited expressions. You know, he has a set of expressions mm -hmm. and and they're kind of choppy, like he's like he's made of wood. And the way the the way they did it is they 3D printed his face for every single expression and they just keep swapping the face out. Oh, wow. They did. There's so much of it was 3D printed and. You know, so they're using all of this technology that I, you know, because for me, the stop motion animation that I like, well, I mean, I grew up with Gumby. Right. That's kind of like my first exposure to stop motion animation. Was and Gumby I think of and like Gumby. the Christmas specials, like yeah, Year Without yeah, Santa yeah. Claus and that kind of stuff. And it's, it's and whimsical. One of the and, Rudolph, you know, Rudolph yes. the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a stop motion version. Yes. Um, but yeah, there was Gumby and then there was David and Goliath, I think was also stop motion. Yeah, it's me getting Christian dogma from TV. And then... And then there was later in, you know, when I was more of an adult, there was all of the Wallace and Gromit movies. That's right. He's also, but that's all claymation. That's all clay animation. And this is stop motion with, they used whatever materials they needed to use to get the, the right look. And, and you'll see that they made, they made the characters like, almost like quarter inch eighth of an inch for some scenes and then they had other versions uh, they had to make very very small versions of the characters and very very large versions of the characters depending on you know who was interacting with them or or what part right. of the whether the they were inside of a whale or not or whatever <laughs> yeah 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 i mean so there's like this this like seven foot tall Pinocchio and this like eighth inch tall Pinocchio. <laughs> and, and it's all really amazing how, and, and, the, and how they, they ended up doing all of this stuff. I think they used, 
they basically got every person who was any good at stop motion animation in the entire world working on this at one point or another. I think they were they had they had studios set up in like three or four locations around the world and some groups are working on different scenes. And and I think it took him twelve years wow. to make this movie. That's so, impressive. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And and I and I don't was it was it up for an Oscar? Did it did it win? That, did they do we know. have the Oscars yet? I don't know. Did we the Oscars aren't didn't happen yet, did they? I don't think so, but I don't I notice think the Oscars. Like, I well, it, you know, there was the Grammys and then the Super Bowl and I, I figured right. that the Oscars are around now. Yeah, I think um, so. And I remember people talking about it, but I'm I think it's it nominated now. for something. I think it's definitely it should have been if it wasn't nominated, it needed to be. Right, right. Anyway. Anyway, I mean, it's 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 a brilliant March twelfth, twenty twenty three will oh. be the ninety fifth Academy Award. So we'll find out. Okay. I don't know that. So it's, it's not yet. Not yet. So yeah. we we'll, can find out. Yeah. And I think maybe by the time this airs, I don't think it will have happened yet. But I'm not sure. We're always in like some weird time frame with podcasts. <laughs> you like <we> really know <laughs> either even if we know when it's going to air. We don't know what's going to happen within the two days that we record something. So it's that's true. <laughs> that's true. And also, I don't even know. I mean, I, if it didn't come out last year, it's not even a, a eligible for an Oscar this year. So I, who know? I don't even believe know. it did. Well, anyway, yeah, we'll we'll see. Anyway, but it yeah. was it. I'm not that I see that many movies, but I would <laughs> say that it could deserve one for sure, just by its yeah strength. You know, I was very surprised. But in a good way to notice that whole fascist subplot, because, you know, the world now is kind of in a fascist subplot. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's good that that, you know, people are reminded of that. And I and I know the guy I think the guy really did look a lot like Mussolini, but I, I think he also had some Trump-esque elements to him. Oh, I didn't think about that. But yeah, the Mussolini character. Well, the, the, the situation around the Mussolini character was very funny. <laughs> they did that very well. Yeah, it was it was interesting. And I, I love the fact that I was thinking the same thing, that sometimes if you talk about a subject but put it in a different place and time, you can express something without it being feeling heavy handed because you're just like, oh, you can you can absorb people can absorb the information a little differently. Yeah, you know? because they think. Because they're because it's they're being entertained. Yeah, when you're watching it, when you're watching it, you're going, "Oh yeah, this happened in World War II, like a million years ago." And yeah. then you know you sit back and you think about it. Wait a minute. Yeah, that's that's kind of relevant to now. Okay. Yeah, and the increasing <laughs> intensity of the fascism was really yes. hit me too. As uh, during, yes. you know, yes. that, that was there. I really liked that. It was really an existential film in a lot of ways. It was really looking at the long scope version of what life is about and things like that. It was pretty yeah. mystical. It wasn't sort of just like, yeah. oh, he learned to be a good boy. So he got to be a real boy. You know what I mean? It, it's definitely yeah. 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 I, I thought, yes, it's, it's more, it's more mature in that way, but I still think kids could enjoy it. Yes. Even if, even if they're not getting all of the subtleties yet, mm -hmm. but adults certainly will get it. And, and that, I, that's, I really like, films that are i consider that to be all ages because it's got stuff for kids to enjoy 
and not have to think about real deep. And then it's got stuff for adults to think about real deep. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Exactly. You know, and it and it also, you know, it plays into, you know, the love of family and 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 stuff like that. It it has it's it's really good. Mm-hmm. So I find this to be an awesome thing. <laughs> yes, and I agree. Awesome. <laughs> Two awesomes up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm here with Dr. Lulu, also known as the Momatrician. And Dr. Lulu is a Nigerian-born pediatrician, parent coach, author, and the CEO of Dr. Lulu's Life Coaching Lounge. She is the mother of a transgender young adult and works with parents struggling with accepting and supporting their LGBTQ plus children. A former lieutenant colonel and commander in the U.S. Air Force, Dr. Lulu is also an award-winning LGBTQ plus and DEI advocate. And I always remind myself that DEI is diversity, equity, and inclusion. Like, I know what it means, but I always mess that up still. So, so that's there. I, I, it's funny you said that because I, I thought it was DEIB because I'm learning that there's also an A. And I'm like, what? So, but yeah. There's always so new, there's always more initials. There's always something. Yeah, there's always something. I thought it was a B. There's a B. But maybe I didn't include the B because I'm also learning. I'm like, okay. That's right. It's correct. <laughs> Let's see. Dr. Lulu has also been featured on local, national, and international media, including Oprah Winfrey's The Life You Want Masterclass, which is fabulous. And if you can talk to Oprah, I'm really, really glad you're talking to me right now. So, <laughs> okay. so welcome, Dr. Lulu. You're welcome, I guess. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. So we're very glad to have you on the Leftscape. I would like to hear a bit about your background and your journey toward advocating for LGBTQ plus youth. I know that you have a child who came out to you. And before that, you had a coming out conversation with your own father. So I'm interested in hearing both of those stories and however you'd like to to tell them. Well, so I think the first thing is, as much as possible, I'm trying to avoid using the phrase coming out. After my second TED Talk, I, I want to use anything but coming out. Now that I know the history, you know, when you when you well, they say when you know better, you do better. But I didn't know. I never liked it. But that now I know why I didn't like that. it. So okay. I use inviting in or invited in, which is actually the, top, the title of my my eighth book, is invited in. So my second TEDx talk is titled Rethinking the Closet. Okay. Coming out as LGBT versus inviting in. It's about just a, it's a change of words, but also is a change of concept. What I, one of the things I mentioned in the talk is the, the things that people come out from are a bad marriage, a bad job, I don't know, alcoholism, depression. We don't come out of who we already are. And mm. so the question I ask is whose closet is it anyway? I mean, whose idea was it to put anybody, any human in a closet? What do you normally put in a closet? A secret, dirt. Dirty clothes, right? So why, even even though it's not real, but it is real, it's real enough. A lot of people say, oh, I'm a closeted such and such. But when you go back and look at the history, it was a Caucasian group of humans that thought, hmm, this is a good idea. And so what I want to do is I want us to rethink that whole concept. And so 
rather than saying I came out to my father, which I would have used maybe before October of last year. Now I say I shared my truth with my father. Mm-hmm. I invited my father into my, my queer world. So I want people to just kind of take a moment and look at the fact that studies have shown that there are two peak periods of suicidal behavior in youth when they first realize that, oh my goodness, I'm gay or I'm trans or whatever. And when they tell their family members. Mm. So the process of coming out, if you look it up, you will see that it is actually associated with a high risk of suicidal behavior because they don't want to do it. And I tell parents that this is why no one chooses Studies have shown that people who find out that they are, they want to jump because there's like, oh my God, you know, nobody's going to love me. Nobody's going to accept me. So when parents think it's a choice, it's a lifestyle, it's a phase like my father did, it's, you know, I want them to stop and just listen to the words they're saying and then listen to the meaning of what they're saying. And then listen to the things that are not said. You're mm-hmm. saying in essence that your child has not been authentic the whole time or that your child now is authentic and now you're mourning. See, so and it was my kid that told me that. She was like, mom, wait. I gave her my TED talk. I said, look at the TED talk. And I gave it to her one week before the talk because I was like, I don't want, you know, I don't want to just kind of stir any feathers. And she, the only thing she said was that, mom, why are you saying the parents are mourning the loss of their child? And I was like, they're not? She's like, no. If anything at all, your child is finally living authentically. What are you mourning? The loss of what wasn't real. And I was like, you're right. You should rather celebrate that your child found you safe enough to tell. One, two, your child is finally living authentically. This is a good thing. This cannot be anything but good. And so it's one parent at a time, one slow explanation at a time so they can get it. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean you should not feel your feels, but don't feel your feels and make it look like your child. Oh, wait, hold up. Let me go mourn. Then I come back and, and hug. No, it's actually, oh my goodness. First of all, congratulations. I don't know. Thank you. What? Thank you for finding me safe enough to share this really important part of your life because this is not just I'm going to, across the street. Kids have usually known about this long time before they tell their parents. I knew when I was 11, I told my dad at 16, my trans daughter says she's always known. And one of the articles I wrote recently was titled Stop Acting Like a Girl. And it went viral on, on, on LinkedIn. Everybody was sharing it. Like, oh my God. Because I always, everything, I said, stop acting like a girl. Stop acting. Why you, why you want to act like that? Like, mom, how am I acting? You're acting the way girls act. You're not a girl. And the whole time, the child was, I'm just being myself. Well, stop being like that. You're not, you're not a girl. You're a boy. You know? I tried even as a queer person myself. And that's the, that's the piece that parents must know, that even within the community, there is internalized homophobia, phobia, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is why it hurts the, all the more when I, when I see a Black person who knows what it's like to be a victim of racism is also homophobic. It's like, what manner of Stockholm shit is that? Because like, no, this is not right. Mm-hmm. But there goes the power of suggestion, the power of lies, the power of telling 
a group of people that they are dumb, they're stupid, they're nothing good about them. The colonialists came to Africa and did that. Here, take this Bible with our white Jesus from Israel, and we'll take all your kids and all your arts and all your crafts and, and then, oh, by the way, your nose is flat. You're ugly. Your name, your name is nasty. I can't say your name. Like, here's a new name. You know, it's like, what makes anybody feel they have a right to come to a country full of people that say, I discovered the country? How? <laughs> like, right. We have to be okay with asking these questions and being okay with that. So my father, who told me it was a phase when I told him at 16, that's all he knew. And there became 26, began 26 years for me of like, well, do I like girls or do I not like girls? I mean, why do I like girls? You know, that part of me that likes girls is bad. I'm going to go to hell. And it was torture for me. And then I had a kid. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. No, you're not going to be gay. Not on my watch. And I started doing the exact same thing that my father did before me. Mm -hmm. And that's why I say to parents, like, I'm not only you as a parent of a queer child. I'm also your kid. I was your child. So I know to some extent, I'm not trans, obviously, I'm cisgendered, for those who don't know. Okay, I don't want to say obviously, but for, since it's audio, I'm not a transgender person. I do not know what the experience of being trans is like, but I do know the experience of being ostracized. I know the experience of being bullied. I know the experience of being silenced. Mm -hmm. And so when my child said, mom, I don't know, because I was like, so are you gay or are you not gay? She was like, I don't know. I said, what do you mean you don't know? What do you mean you don't know? And that's the worst thing I can do. But really, when you go deep, I was afraid that this kid is going to say they're gay and all the things that come with being gay. And so when she said, I don't know, what I heard was no. And I was like, okay, good. Right. That's not what she said. Right, right. But that's what I wanted to hear. And so I want parents to just take a deep breath and realize that you're only on this earth for a finite time. And so are your kids. And the time wasted believing everybody but your child is so dangerous. And that's why suicide rates are so high. Mm, why would anybody mm -hmm. want to kill themselves if they're just faking it? If it's just a phase, if it's just a choice, I could just choose another sweater. Right. But I can't choose another being. It's not about God created Adam and Eve bullshit. That's a narrative. Mm -hmm. God mm -hmm. created Steve. Otherwise, who created Steve? <laughs> yeah, who did? And that aside, and I, I like people to laugh, but also that just like, I'm oh, by the way, if I was truly made in God's image and likeness, God is also a girl. And so that means, at the very least, God is non-binary, agender, or bigender. What are you talking about? Like, let's argue that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or just leave it alone. We have to be okay with saying, you know what? You can make all the mistakes, but Maya Angelou said, once you know better, you cannot unknow it. Right, right. So how do you approach some of the different... Well, I guess I know you have like a list of typical mistakes that parents make, you know. So what are some of those? 
I think and I mentioned half sort of them already. <laughs> you probably did. Yeah, you yeah, did. Yeah, I think I mentioned half of them. The big, I have a, I have a, and thank you for asking the question. I have a free freebie on my website. If they go to dr-lulu.com, you can download seven top mistakes that parents make. But in my book that's coming out, I have 35. And I stopped at 35 because my first book on youth suicide, I, I put 35 myths about suicide. So I was like, you know what, let me just match the 35. And so I did 35 myths, mistakes, and misconceptions. But there are many. Mm -hmm. The very first one that most parents the first mistake that they make is they don't believe their kids. This is critical. Like, mom, I have cancer. I don't believe you. Mom, you know, I fell off the tree. I don't believe you. Like, really? Mom, I'm gay. I don't believe you. It's because you've been hanging out with... It's because you've been watching too much. Right. It's because of social media, right? Those are all lies. But we like to believe them because we are making our child's gayness mean something derogatory about us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's like, if I have to accept that my child is gay, then that means there's something wrong with the, mm, oh no, no, because uh -uh. I'm perfect, right? But there's never ever a gay child that is the only gay person in the family. Studies have shown that while they're still the jury is still out about a gay gene. There's numerous studies that show that it runs in the family. In my family alone, at last count was like seven. At last count. And just as so just in terms of general that, numbers, like there's no go ahead. there are many of us in the world. Yes, so we're many. just it's likely that there will be others, you know, for sure. It's just too many. And you know what? And one of the things I used to say was if you put all the gay people brought up all together and kill all of them right now, in 10 months, new ones will be born because heterosexuals create homosexuals. And I don't ever want to use the word homosexuals, but for the, for the sake of having the conversation, mm -hmm. heterosexuals create homosexuals. In the true sense of the word, a homosexual couple cannot procreate with each other's whatever, genetic whatever, because it's just, it's not. So the only way to create gays is heterosexuals to get together. And that is why they're having such a hard time accepting that because like they get to that point, it's like, no, no, you're faking it. No, it's a choice. It's a it's your friends, it's the social media, it's because you were sexually assaulted, it's because you saw somebody on TV do it. These are all little, little lies mm -hmm. that parents would rather tell themselves. So the top one is they don't believe. The second one is they think it's a choice. To which I say, if it were a choice, nobody would be gay because everybody would choose to be straight. And I always ask people, since you think it's a choice, when did you choose to be straight? And we mm -hmm. have to give them their, we have to pay them their in their own coins. Right. A lot. Of I can't imagine choosing to be straight. Honestly, I yeah. don't think I would. But <laughs> no, <I'm, laughs> but I know what you mean. It's a hard, yeah, it's a harder road. Is you know, this is for the person sure. who tells their child that it's a choice. Why, why would you choose that? And right, ask right. them, when did you choose to be straight? Well, I've always been straight. Okay, you get where I'm going now. I've always been straight. I've always been gay because I didn't share with you or because I, I 
was in denial, so I wouldn't have to deal with this, doesn't mean I haven't always been. Right, right. So um, the top three is really, they don't believe, they think it's a choice, they think it's a phase. Then the secondary ones are like social media, is because they were assaulted, is because, I don't know, they saw their uncle. You know, that's why I didn't want you to be around your uncle, because your uncle is, you know, that's why you are, because your uncle is. But truly, that is why they are, because it runs in the family. Okay. <laughs> Could be. So what are some of the ways that parents can get better at acceptance? Because I know people come from all different types of backgrounds. That's another mm -hmm. question I wanted to ask you. You know, just they have the ideas of from where they came. So yeah. how, how, does, how do you change this? How do you help people change this? And so my first answer to that question is usually not every parent is my tribe because not every parent wants to accept their child. And so the parent who wants to accept the child, half of my work is actually already done mm -hmm. because they already want to accept their kids. So every time I, every time I hear people who say struggling, even every time I read struggling with them, like, are they really struggling with accepting their kids or are they struggling with accepting themselves as a parent of a queer child? So that's the first step for you to not end up replacing your child in the closet, so to say. When your child comes in, like, oh, I don't want to talk about it. Don't bring it to my house. Don't mention it. And then you shut down that aspect and you, you lock that aspect of your life in a closet because you're like, so the first step is for the parents to ask themselves the most critical question when they're pregnant, maybe before they get pregnant. What if my child turns out to be queer? Am I prepared to love this child unconditionally. And you know what? Ask yourself the same question about as a pediatrician, I've seen kids who are born with diabetes, kids who are born with two heads, kids who are born with, I don't know, spina bifida, kids who are born with, you know, deaf. I've seen a lot of things. I've seen kids who are born with so much significant, I don't know, seizures. I need you to ask yourself the question, if my child comes out and falls, quote unquote, short of my ideal of a perfect baby, Am I ready? If the answer is anything but a resounding yes, don't do it. Mm. Because your child could come out black and gay in America, living in Texas. Right. <laughs> so the first thing is that if, you, if your answer is yes, I don't care, then great. And that's why I love the millennials and the Gen Zers. They are accepting all the way to the bank. They're just like, sure, let's go get some pizza. I mean, I knew or whatever, you know? Adults, because we're coming from this, that's what I said about the power of suggestion from a world where they were telling us that being gay is bad, being gay is bad, being gay is bad. The funny thing about being gay is the fundamental Christians are so busy demonizing gayness, which is not on the top 10 commandments, but they accept being dishonest, be you know cheating on your wife, you know, you can have 10 babies out of wedlock. You know, they, they accept all of that. So why is there a dissonance? Because they only focus on the bedroom. Your gay means sex. But gay people have toothache. They have dreams. They have a big house with a picket fence and two dogs and a cat. They want to live a regular life. They're not having, they're not having sex 24-7. But because, so whose mind is messed up then? 
Exactly. And I say that about the bathroom, the bathroom sharing. That's a big mm -hmm. one. Everybody's home has co-ed bathrooms. Men and women use the same bathrooms at home. But for some reason, oh my God, why are you using the girl's bathroom when you go outside? On the airplane, you are using the same bathroom. Right. What happened to that? Where's the boy's bathroom in the, in the airplane? So we have to be okay with opening our eyes and just seeing what we're doing and how we're choosing we're choosing to do this and choosing to do that. We, we that's not that's not the way it should be. Right, <laughs> absolutely. So how have, or have you approached your work any differently now that we're really seeing this like very palpable uptick I think in in animosity toward teaching young people about or even acknowledging the existence of LGBTQ people. And you're in Texas, right? So mm. that seems like that might be hard. Well, that? I mean, I think as a coach, I know that any any where your energy goes, your energy flows. And so I know now as a physician and as a coach that if I say it's hard, then it's hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, ultimately, yes, they're making laws. Last week, the governor of Texas says they cannot study anything about black history. So it's not even LGBT. LGBT is like, y'all, we're talking about just acknowledging that black people went through what they went through in the whole of Florida. Nobody's challenging that. Yeah. So I have to be okay with just working with the parents who want to. Because even if you don't want to, your child is not going to not be gay just because you decide you don't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. So for me, they can make all the anti-LGBT laws they want. They can keep on making new ones. Once the parents know better. And you know the funny thing about laws? Roe versus Wade just showed us that we could change the laws. Yeah. Sadly, meantime, that was a terrible yeah, one. You, but it could we could change it back or we could Yeah, we could no, do but and, and, and that's yeah. the that's what I'm saying. And that's the reality. And that's why it's not about the laws. It's about your child. If you keep the focus on what your child needs today, most kids, they don't need anything. I said, Mom, I just wanted to tell you, you know, I don't want to flag or, you know, to paint the house, all colors. I just wanted you to know. Mm -hmm. And that's all for some children. Depending on the age of the child, if they're getting married, okay, mom, so we decided to get married. You know, we would like you to come to our wedding. A lot of queer folks just want to live a quiet life. When my ex-wife was, when we lived together, we just, she just, we just wanted to be left alone. We don't, we don't, we don't even have nothing. I mean, I put a, I put a little doormat outside the, the front of the house that had the little rainbow flag. But other than that, she was a very peaceful, just don't want to bother nobody kind of person. And that's what most of us are like. And so they can make all the laws they want. People will move out of the States if they want to move out of the States. I'm, for instance, I'm moving to San Diego this fall because my baby goes off to college and I wanted to move to San Diego since my eldest was in my stomach. So finally wow. I said, okay, when I, when I retire, I'll go. Then I retired two years ago and the baby's still in high school. I said, okay. So like I said, he just got in, just getting into schools now. So finally I'm going to move to San Diego because I also want to live in California. And then California happens to be maybe more accepting. But San Antonio is an extremely accepting city. Mm -hmm. However, Texas as a state is not. not but so I much. cannot, <laughs> right. you know, Jesus, Jesus was not accepted in his town. So I'm not recreating the wheel here. 
This is something that's not new. People are going to get persecuted, but it doesn't. It should not stop you because if it stops you, then you're not really being authentic. Martin Luther King was killed for his belief system. So was, you know, Malcolm X. They believed so much that this is what it is. You couldn't shake it. Not even at the gunpoint. You can kill a man, but you cannot kill his message. And so they can take me out. But I met you. My voice is already out there. People are going to be like, oh, my God. But you can't kill all of us, though. This is true. Wow. <laughs> I mean, so, you can't. It, yeah. No, that's 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 right. true. Thank you. Exactly. So you're I know you've written a lot of books. Your books include A Teen's Life, How to Raise Well-Rounded Children, How to Teach Your Children About Racism, A Letter from a Black Mother to White Parents. What is your upcoming book? My upcoming book is called Invited In. I'm sorry, it's in the bedroom, but I was going to show it to you. It's called Invited In, How to Become the Parent Your LGBTQ Plus Child Needs. Mm-hmm. And so that's my third how-to book. The first one is... Um, how to raise well-rounded children was the first how-to book. How to teach your children about racism was the second how-to book. This is my third how-to book, but my eighth book. I have other non-how-to books. I have other collaborations. I have other things I'm doing in the book, in the literary world. But this one, I think, because it's, it's about my life's work, I think is the one that I feel the most imposter syndrome about. And it was supposed to come out last June. And I finished the book. It's been edited, but I just like, I don't know. Do I really want to? Because it, it means so much. It's scary, right? Yes, <laughs> it is. It and so yeah. when I was interviewing Oprah, one of the things she was like, you know, off off the edge, she was like, so what is this about you having a book and not publishing it? I said, that's what I'm talking about, the imposter syndrome. She's like, I don't want to hear you talk nothing about imposter syndrome anymore, you know? She's like, you need to just put the book out there. I was like, okay. So I will get it out for March. Okay. Well, which is we'll my be looking month. forward to. Yeah, All which right. is my birthday month. But it's titled How to, I mean, it's titled Invited In, How to Become the Parent Your LGBTQ Plus Child Needs. And it goes through what does it mean to be LGBTQ plus, the African, the African queer child, which is who I am. I missed a chapter, which I'm thinking about adding. And that's not one of the reasons I keep adding more chapters. Like I want to add a chapter of the immigrant queer person because they're, mm-hmm. they're there. There's people yeah. like me. I'm an immigrant and I'm queer. I came up with a, a phrase called a buick, like, you know, the car, the bricks. But A is African, B is black, W is woman, I is immigrant, and Q is queer. We do exist. And we, you know, we're here. We're not going anywhere. And that's all she wrote. So, yeah, I'm excited about it, even as I'm scared about it. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, I'm excited just... about it, too. We will definitely let people know when it comes out. And, I'll uh, give you the link. I'll, I'll really appreciate it if, I, if you let me share the link for people to like pre, just pre-order. Not they, There's no money exchanged just so that I could I have a bunch of people signing up so I can tell them when the book comes out and then they can get the, I don't know, the um, ebook or whatever when the time comes. So I'm excited about it, but I'm also like <laughs> Well, we will get that in our show notes for sure when you send it. And thank you so much for talking. You're welcome. You're welcome. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. You got questions? We got answers. And today's question is, 
What's the first thing you remember buying with your own money? Huh. The, I, I remember a first record. I'm not sure I remember the first thing. Do you, what, what's yours, Wendy? Oh, I bought a microscope. And this was, I, I remember this very, very distinctly because I think my dad had opened up savings accounts for me and my little brother. And I remember putting money away meticulously, like my allowance for months and months and months and months. And then when I got up to this huge number, which was $75, I, cause that's how much this microscope cost. I made my, and I was in fourth or fifth grade at this point. So I was like some, maybe nine, 10 years old. I, I don't know. So I, I got the money and I said, we're getting this microscope. <laughs> and they, you know, and they took me at, to the store and I bought a microscope. And that was the first thing I remember buying with my own money. So that is so exciting. That's very cool. <laughs> I I didn't save that much money. I probably I don't know. I'm trying to think. I don't remember. I don't remember. I'm sure I bought something before this, but the thing I really remember distinctly was buying David Bowie's Scary Monsters album. Oh, cool. And that's definitely the first album I, I bought with my own money and that was very exciting but that is we rack my brains for an earlier answer to that but that that's a very cool question thank you yeah yeah well i remember the first album that i made my parents buy made my mother buy me (laughs) and i was like five it was the beatles second album oh it was i i I remember being in the store and I remember the the stacks of records were up over my head. <laughs> they were taller than me. And as you get older, so I didn't re- I you know, it took me a while to remember, oh yeah, I was five years old. So I was probably only like two and a half feet tall or something. You know, I was very, like was a small person, but <laughs> as you get older, you know, I, you know, when like in college, I would think, oh my God, they had records six feet high. They had stacks of records six feet high because I, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, because I know how tall I am now. And it was like this much over my head. So it had to be that height. And, right, I, right. you know, and that got me thinking that the whole concept of giants are people remembering like an invasion when they were really, really little. Like, you know, back in the olden days in the prehistory of of time where where a child's memory of a thing, they're saying, oh, these huge people were here and they were burning the village and all this stuff. And they were giants because they were like two or three years old when this happened. And that's how their memory goes. So (laughs) that could be. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. That's these are the thoughts that occur to me in the middle of the night, you know, when I can't sleep. So, in our next show, (laughs) segue, Robin interviews Edie Weinstein about overcoming the taboo of touch, and then Robin and I discuss gardening in our next Earthscape segment, and I hope you join us in our next show in two weeks. Yes, yes. Well, thank you for listening. I'm Robin Renee, and you can find me on Facebook at Robin Renee Fan or Instagram at Robin Renee Music and on Twitter at Spirit Rock Sexy. And on Discord, I am Andrew Genus. And I'm Wendy Sheridan. And you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Wendy Cards, on Twitter at Wendy Designs, and on Etsy with Wendy Cards with a Z. 
And remember, you can always reach out to us on social media at Leftscape. We love to hear from you and do send us your questions. And if it's a question for you got questions, we got answers, we might enter it at the end of one of our shows. So until next time, be well, get your drag on and keep black. You've been listening to the Leftscape Podcast. Sound engineering by Wendy Sheridan. Show notes by Robin Renee. Fake sponsor messages by Ariel Sheridan. Web hosting by InMotion. Remote recording by Squadcast. If you like what you hear, please share it with your friends. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Leftscape. Become a patron of our show for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash Leftscape. Thanks for listening.